Hi everyone, it's Sam Vokes at Wickham Wanderers and you're listening to the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to a very special Wickham Wanderers Show this week. The reason being is... Adebayo Akinfenwa's special game uh, coming up this Saturday against Doncaster Rovers. Uh, it, it, it's not a testimonial, it's not his last game. But I think the club have very cleverly selected this game um, as a good opportunity uh, to pay tribute to a Wickham Wanderers legend. Coming up in the next hour, we'll get the thoughts of manager Gareth Ainsworth. We'll also hear from the man himself. A big thanks to uh, Matt at the club because you've been to the training grounds. I have indeed. Yes, thank you very much to to Matt uh, for for uh, hosting Wickham Sound this afternoon. Uh, yes, I managed to speak to not only Bayo, uh, but also got the thoughts of uh, Joe Jacobson, uh, of Pete Kuhig, and also of Matt Cecil himself, who has quite a good good story uh, about uh, what he initially thought when he heard that Bayo was coming to the club. <laughs> coming up a bit later on, we'll hear from a couple of members of Space Elevator in a sort of rock and roll part of the show. Uh, and all, Things you didn't expect Colin to be saying. All, all will become clear a bit later on. And we'll catch up with JDT to find out the uh, the latest uh, comings and goings at the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association as well. Comings and goings, that sounds like they made some signings, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Well, yeah. perhaps they have. They're I'm looking forward to hearing they've their comings and goings. a couple of former ex-players coming up by the end well, of the season. And I want to know, has, has Bayo been signed up by the Ex-Players Association already? We can, we can certainly find out that this hour. Do they ever play actual games against other teams, ex-players, associations? I think they do have games, yeah. Do so they? Sorry, yeah. We were talking to... Uh, goodness me, you'd want Bayo on your side, wouldn't you? Absolutely. He'd, he'd be a bit of an intimidating one to be, you know, to be coming up against. Absolutely. As Joe Jacobson talks about in a little, in a couple of minutes, actually. Yeah, so before that, uh, let's let's sort of reflect on, on um, well, what, what has been a monumental career for, for uh, literally such a, a, a big character. D- just amazing... And when he came, he was obviously really, really well known. Um, and it was wonderful that Wickham Wanderers were able to sign someone who was a star, and it's not something that happens very often. But the fact that he's actually become such a Wickham Wanderers legend over the past six years it is just testament to what a fantastic guy he is and how he clearly cares so much actually about the club uh, and very much puts the club before anything to do with, with Adebayo Ekenfenwa. Um And I think oh, those are all things that actually, when we initially signed him, some fans might have thought, oh, you know, that it doesn't sound like a very Wickham signing. Um, but actually, he's just been wonderful both on and off the pitch. And you've been speaking to the current captain to get his thoughts. I have indeed. Uh, so I asked Joe Jacobson what he first of all thought when he heard that we'd signed Adebayo Akinfenwa. I'm glad he's on my team and not against me, I think. Um, I had some battles with him over the years. A funny one comes to mind, but I was at Shrewsbury and he was at Northampton and we beat them 7-2. We both actually scored in a game, but I remember going through quite hard on a tackle on him and I got booked. And I remember him saying to their goalie, their defenders, just put it on that Jacobson's head, put it on his head. And I was thinking, oh no, here we go. Um, And battles against Gillingham and he was such a handful that... You know, it was something that he's kind of one of a kind in the football league. So to have him on your team is, is a big asset. And at the time, I didn't realise how good he was. Um, at the time, you think he's just a big man, just in for the air. But getting to know him, getting playing with him, um, turns out that he's got a lot more going on than just pinning people and, and flicking the ball on. So um, yeah, it's worked out amazingly for, for Wickham. I, I think that's the thing that actually we all realise when we see him week in, week out. Is actually he's a brilliant footballer. Yeah, and I know you shouldn't have to say, I know it's the old football cliche, isn't it? Like, good feet for a big man. You shouldn't have to say that. We're all professional footballers here. Bayo wouldn't be a professional footballer if he couldn't play football, wasn't good at playing football. And, you know, he's, I've learned over the years what his strengths are and 
And I think the first season he came in scored all those goals in the first few years have, have made my game so much easier because I knew if I was in trouble I could hit Diags onto, onto Bayo, I could cross the ball and Bayo would get on the end of it. And I think we can combined for five or six goals within a short space of time in that, that first or second season. And it was a joy for me to play for sure. I mean, he has just been a fantastic ambassador as well for the club. And he's one of those generals alongside yourself and so many of the other players that actually we just rely on, I think, 100%. You know that you're going to be there and you know that you're going to basically bleed to the light and dark blue for Wicked Wanderers. Yeah, for sure. Um, first of all, just, just being a person off the pitch in the change room is so important. The young lads look up to him. It's amazing. The amount of people that come into the club, on boys on trial, young lads, new signings, and they always ask, what's he like? What's, what's the big man like? And you hear him before you see him normally coming into the building. And, you know, that presence he's got, he, he demands that kind of respect on the training pitch. You know, he's the first one to, to shout in training if things aren't going well. If players are, are not quite on it, he'll be making sure that everyone's, you know, really, being really professional and being really on it and you know that's a credit to himself the, the way you know he's, he's coming up to 40 years old to, so to still be playing I know he's probably can't move as well as he did a few years ago but to still be a professional athlete at that age and to do it for professionally for, for over 20 years is a credit to himself but you know spending time with him off the pitch like you said in general's meetings and things like that and discussing how we want the club to be run and um, you know, he's, he really cares about the club. He really cares about the young players. He really cares about the culture. And, and you know, he's, he created this thing. I don't know you've probably heard it called Price Check. He goes on about it in a lot of the stuff he does where just to keep players kind of their feet on the ground and humble, he, he makes sure that the clothes they wear in can't go over a certain amount. And, you know, if, if players wear clothes that are excessive of this, he finds them and, and he makes sure, you know, people come in it's funny because some people have an expensive tracksuit on but they make sure they come in flip-flops because they can't afford the trainers they're coming in with so just little things like that that he's kind of implemented in the club and, and you speak to Matt Cecil who runs a social media I think before Bale came there's probably only a few thousand followers for, for Wickham and as soon as he turns up there's you know you know the the um, the media side of the the um, the pull that he has around the globe, not just in England, is huge, and, and the club have benefited from that as well. Does the, do you get a fine if you don't wear the beast mode hoodie? Uh, no, I have. I, you see, players do wear it in. I've got one at home. Um, you know, I'd, I, I don't tend to wear it out. I do it more when I'm doing the gardening or something like that. <laughs> don't tell them I said that. But um, no, like, like things like little things like that with, with the stuff going on, we're all very happy to, to promote it and help him out with it. And if he wants pictures with us wearing it, things like that, um, you know, we're all happy to do it. There's, there's so many things that he's done for me personally off the pitch. You know, I was a, a little thing. I, was a, um, I am a big cricket fan and, and, you know, I think the Ashes were on. Um, a couple of years ago um, and we were talking about it in, in house with a few of the boys who enjoy the cricket and Bale got involved and we were talking about Joffre Archer and we were saying how he was the menace against Australia and things like that on the World Cup I think it was um, and Bayo was like joking around saying yeah I know him or whatever it was all of a sudden a, a month later I get a message off Bayo and there's a video of Joffre Archer saying hi JJ how you doing and Bayo was like I told you I'd get a video for you so just little things like that he, he does care and he does take note of, of little things like that and you know he goes out of his way to, to help others uh, when he doesn't need to so he's great I think we've probably all got a, a couple of, of sort of like memories of Bayo that, that definitely are there in the, the memory bank. But what, what are yours? What, what, when you look back on his Wickham career, what are the, the things that you remember? Um, little things like 
the, the amount of last minute goals and things like that that he's been not necessarily scored but been a part of we've I think Matt put a thing up a, I think it's probably last season actually where we've scored like 10 or 12 last minute winners um, at Adams Park in the last few years all kind of probably since he's been at the club and he's always been a part of that and just the amount of pictures I see on the pitch of you could take a still of Bayo the ball's going in the air there's five players around him and he comes out with the ball and he not just wins the ball or gets you know but he makes use of the ball as well and there's so many times like, like we've played together for five or six years now and um, like I said with me he made so much easier for me just crossing the ball into an area so it's hard to pick one one kind of big moment I remember um I think it was the Spurs game the first Spurs game away um, when he played and uh, I think I remember one of their players just on the pitch being like like someone said about win the header and they were like what, like, can't, what can I do and this is Premier League players at Tottenham and Champions League team at the time so it doesn't matter who you are there's, there's and we were League 2 as well you have to remember exactly, that yeah, well. exactly yeah exactly yeah and, and it's funny because you see defenders it seems to be the bigger they are the more they want to try and fight with him and, and try and beat him and show how powerful and strong they are but there's no one ever wins no one ever wins apart from Bayo so I think just, just seeing that and then off the pitch just you know he may turn up late most days for, for training but that, that's what he needs to do and um, just hearing him come in and as soon as he walks in there's a, there's a different aura about, about the place he he livens things up. He makes sure he's got different handshakes with every player, and you know makes everyone feel really you know welcome. He doesn't treat the older players differently to the younger boys and things like that. So um, yeah, around the place he's going to be missed for sure when he when he stops playing. Great to hear from Joe Jacobson, and we'll be catching up with Matt Sasso in a few moments' time as well to find out his impact on the media side. Uh, but Bob also spoke to the man himself. Take us back then to to 2016, and you've just got AFC Wimbledon up. What then happens after that? Okay, after the come down um, of knowing what we achieved and then knowing that listen I didn't have a club of course it's well documented now the the after game speech I gave and then the influx of attention from all over the world Gaffer got at me listen and I knew Gaffer I knew Gaffer from playing against him um, and I knew about him and then I remember I I sat down with my my agent as well and I said I didn't want to go too far I was 34 and I, listen, I didn't think I'd be playing that, still be playing at 40, so I, I didn't want to move the family anywhere. And it was like, look, I want to try and stay as local to London as possible. So we witted it down um, and we sat down with with Gaffer um, and Andrew Howard at the time. And listen, after the, the first conversation with Gaffer, I knew this is where I wanted to sign. And listen, of course, it's easy to say the rest is history, but the rest is history. The rest very much is history. And, I mean, you came here as a legend and you're leaving as a Wiccan Wanderers legend. <laughs> I see, I don't know about them words there. Um, I, get, I, I remember... I, it's the funny thing is, for me, I remember still having something to prove um, to myself. It was to nobody else. It was... I remember I didn't play as much at the back end of that season. Um, and I had something to prove to myself to say, no, nah, man, like, go out on your terms. So, like I said, I didn't plan to play to 40 and I would be lying if I said I did. But I knew that there was still life left in me. Um, so when I came here, and of course, you know, people were talking about, ah, oh, listen, is it just a publicity? You know, he's 34, and are we talking more about his social media presence than the actual footballer? But for myself, listen, I knew that I'd, I wanted to prove to myself I could still go out on my terms. And yeah, man, I, I'll always say everything happens for a reason. And look, six years later, this was 100% the best decision I've made. 
How are you still playing at 40 years old? Oh, man, oh, God, I don't even know. Um, no, nah, man, listen, the reason I'm playing, because I, I think in life, timing is everything. And I think I I linked up with Gaffer, um, I linked up with a set of fans, and I linked up with players that bought into what Gaffer was trying to achieve and bought into who I was as a person on and off the pitch. And I keep saying anybody that's had success anywhere, for them to say they did it alone is a lie. And for the success I've had here, I didn't do it alone. So the reason I'm still playing at 40 is because of who I had around me, you know, um, and I can't speak highly enough of it um, in the sense of people turn around and say, you know, yes, I'm happy what I did individually, but what we did collectively, you know, outweighs what any individual accolade I can take for myself. And that's the reason why, you know, I'm, I'm joyful at looking back at, like, my time here and, of course, my career. Looking to Saturday then against Doncaster, obviously we're paying tribute to you, but also as well, it's an important game for Wickham Wanderers. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to, I'm going to lie. I will acknowledge the, the build up. I'll acknowledge the, the accolades. I'll acknowledge the attention before kickoff. But when kickoff comes, it's it's work. Like we've got seven games. So part of me, I'll turn around and say, look, well, let's celebrate when we get to Wembley. I'm trying to just put that out there, trying to manifest that um, as much as possible. But um, work first. I'll, I'll always say this. Um, and it's important for us to come and get three points. We ain't played in a little while. And it's important to continue this, this, run, uh, this run that we're on. So there's work to be done. I'll acknowledge it, trust me. Because I do think that you have to acknowledge moments. Um, and I will. But there's work to be done. So once, you know what I'm saying, the love, love, the clap, clap. And then we get the three points. Then afterwards, oh, yeah, yeah. Look, I'll take him, whatever needs to be taken. But there is a job still to be done. And really interesting that you talk about Wembley and what a fantastic fitting end that would be. And I think one of the memories that we all have as Wickham Wanderers fans is actually is your face just after the the League One playoff final, which we, you know, just what a, what a day. Yeah, listen, I'd, anybody that knows me, I, I get caught up in the moment, a hell of a time, um, and. And what we done and what we achieved there and coming off the back of what the world went through. So to be able to achieve something that we was written off for um, was was beautiful. Um, and of course, because we didn't have the fans there, it was a moment where we actually took it in as individuals. There was no distractions. It was everyone to a person. We looked into each other's eyes and we took it in. Um, so listen, if... And I, and I pray this, you know what I'm saying? There would be no better way, no fairy tale way to be able to finish it at Wembley. Um, you know, with a promotion, I would love that. Um, forget about me. It's something that we set out at the beginning of the season to be able to do and to be able to to leave this club with a promotion would be a beautiful thing. But one step at a time, we'll take care of Saturday first. Chief Operating Officer Pete Kuhig was also up at the training ground today and I spoke to him and asked him for his thoughts on Adebayo Akinfenwa. One of the nicest guys I've ever met. Really, one of the, he was the first player I met when I was here. Uh, gave me a big old hug. <sighs> he is uh, one of the most special players ever. Um, a, he is... I've always loved a unique player that does something di differently than everybody else. And, and I, you know, there's only one Adebayo Akinfenwa. He is uh, the strongest guy in the game, which... When he began his career, I don't even know if FIFA was out yet, uh, but once FIFA came out and he got loaded up into that game, as the strongest player in the game, it, it gave him a huge platform, uh, which, uh, considering the type of person that Bayo is, 
uh, was well-deserved, and uh, he certainly used it in a very positive sense, um, both on and off the field. Uh, on the field, uh, you can't argue. Hundreds of goals over 20 years in up and down the football league, um, everywhere he's gone. He's been questioned everywhere he's gone. He's produced. He's had an unbelievable career. feel very fortunate to work at the club where he's finishing up. I've already said this to him, but when he came to this club, he was a legend. But actually, he's now a Wickham Wanderers legend. Yeah, uh, there is no doubt. You know, in, in with a club that's been around 140 years, there's names that everybody knows uh, that we'll know for all time. Akin Fenway is 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 absolutely way up there uh, in the in the history of uh, Wickham Wanderers. We're going to miss him next year, but he'll he'll always be around. He's retiring as a Wickham Wanderer. He'll be a Wickham Wanderer forever. What does he bring as well to the Wickham Wanderers worldwide phenomenon that you guys are trying to build? <laughs> well, he's truly worldwide. Not too many players uh, in Europe or England make a uh, mid- mid-season trip to the Super Bowl to cover it uh, <laughs> for Sky. Um, not many English football players could actually play American football, and I'm damn certain uh, Bayo would have either made an excellent uh, fullback, maybe a blocking tight end, Early in his career, he might have been able to handle defensive end. He is worldwide Wickham. There's thousands and thousands of people around the world that would never have heard of Wickham Wanderers without Adebayo Akinfenwa. And so he is going to be very tough to replace on that front. But, um, you know, he's helped us build a worldwide fan base. And, and people love this club for a lot of different reasons. Bayo's one of them and a key one. And I'm sure... You know, as as time goes on, there will always be that link between uh, Bayo and us. I also spoke to head of media Matt Cecil and asked him what his reaction was when he first heard that Wickham was signing at a Bayo Akinfenwa. Gaffer and Bayo know this, so I'm not going to um, backtrack on it. But my first thought was, he's not very Wickham, and and I really feared the the kind of pantomime and everything that might come with someone of his stature. You know, Wickham Wonders weren't used to. Um, global superstars playing for them and we had a history of signing relatively low-key players so um, I remember Gareth ringing me on the Wednesday to say Matt we're signing Akinfenwa what do you think of course I told him it was a wonderful move uh, but privately at the time I wasn't sure he was going to be right for Wickham Wanderers um, he had an amazing unveiling I remember at Adams Park we, it was the day we unveiled the kit we smuggled him into Adams Park I remember I put him in a side room and said, wait a couple of hours, you're going to be brought out on stage. Do you need anything? And he said, no, 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 nothing, nothing important. Just get me a hot chocolate. I spent the next half an hour frantically scouring every cupboard for a hot chocolate. I don't think we sold any. I sent someone down the road to buy some. Uh, we were dealing with a major talent and we wanted to impress him on day one. He got his hot chocolate. He got paraded on stage. Um, the social media coverage that day just showed what an impact he was going to have off the pitch. Um, he was massive. Everyone was talking about him. Uh, there was a lot of hype about which club he was going to go to. It was Wickham Wanderers. Two days later, we are in France at a pre-season friendly. Um, somebody absolutely crunched Luco 9 with a tackle and through the mist came Bayo, picking up this French lad, throwing him, no joke, 20 metres across the pitch to say, you don't do that to my teammate. Bayo was sent off. That moment itself then went viral because nobody could believe Akin Fenway gets sent off in a pre-season friendly. But that laid down a marker. He was here to be a team player, to protect his teammates when they were up against it. Um, and from that day forward, uh, he and I have had a, a, a wonderful relationship. I'm so pleased to have worked with him. Um, 
because of the person he is. And of course, for my job in the media, it's it's really helped put us on the map and it's it's been a huge boost to, to Wickham Wanderers and its global fan base. Um, but just as, as one man working with a colleague, he's been uh, an absolute inspiration and, and someone I was so pleased just to you know, be on the pitch with at Wembley that time and just kind of reflecting on what this club had achieved in the five years that he'd been here. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to give him the send-off that he deserves, but of course we'll miss him when he's gone. It was very nice of Will Smith and Chris Rock to recreate that moment from the Wickham Wanderers at Lahal friendly at the Oscars. Still to come on the Wickham Wanderers show, I will get the thoughts of manager Gareth Ainsworth as well. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's episode of the Wickham Wanderer Show, we'll get the thoughts of two members of Space Elevator. Uh, <laughs> no, really, uh, a fantastic band who, uh, who, who you may not realise have uh, quite a connection to Wickham Wanderers and uh, quite a few links as well. Uh, that's to come, as I say. Plus, we'll also hear from the manager Gareth Ainsworth. But if you're a regular listener to the show, uh, you'll know. With uh, big thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex Players Association, uh, we often get to to feature uh, stars of the club from the 50s right up to the noughties, and uh, we're on to the 63rd. I'm told. I'm very pleased to say that uh, JDT John Taylor joins us this evening. Hello, sir. Good evening, Colin. Nice to hear you. And uh, lovely interviews regarding uh, bio. No, it's really fantastic and, and, and a great story. And, and obviously from, from the sort of servants of, of the club that you know, um, someone, someone who really stands out as well in the, in the club's history. Well, the thing is about bio that um, I, I had the pleasure, if it was called that, of doing the very first interview after he'd been introduced by Matt uh, at the club unveiling, uh, I did him in the first match that he played, and can you believe it? There were boos because people, like Matt said, quite rightly, thought it was just a gimmick. And um, I think a lot of us wondered, you know, what was going to happen. And crikey, what a difference <laughs> six years later, as you say. We've got some fantastic ex-players, players who've made history, um, who we're going to talk about in a short while. But Bio definitely is is up there. And I think uh, somebody said at the start of the programme, uh, well, will I be there asking him for, is he going to be a member of the ex-players? I've already done that. And uh, his answer to that was, which of the 15 clubs that I've played for should I become an ex-player of? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to argue with him, obviously. But the difference is, of course, that he played for most of these clubs for very short times. For Wickham, he's played for six seasons and, uh, you know, 200 and odd appearances, 50 goals, uh, I think that puts him in a very, very special place. It really is fantastic to hear some of the stories of, of many of the of the ex-players we've been privileged enough to speak to uh, on this show. And um, Andy Harmon is another who we were due to speak to this week, but he's, he's a very busy man, it appears, and uh, he's just on his way back from Dubai. So we'll be hearing from him uh, next week. And uh, he, of course, is, is someone who will be known to fans, obviously, as, as being a player, but also uh, someone who could, be, could have taken over the club. Yeah, I think Andy didn't want to be overshadowed by Bayo and uh, decided to put off his appearance for a week. But uh, Andy is actually coming to the uh, uh, game on Saturday um, with a box load of, uh, uh, of ex-Wickham players from his generation, the 1980s. Um, people like Mark West, Anton Vickers, Mark Hill, Jimmy Jacobs, Dave Burgess, Jim Melvin, Bob Dell. 
most of those, I'd just like to uh, to add, have uh, been interviewed by you, along with the 80s manager, Alan Gain. Um, so they're all coming along to uh, to add their uh, support to, to Bayo, but also, of course, uh, to do a final farewell to Gary Lester, who uh, played with all of those players uh, and was under manager Alan Gain uh, as a final farewell to, to Gary, who died just before Christmas. Oh, it's, it's fantastic to be able to, to speak to so many of those those players and, and from that era as well. Many you know many people, of course, who, who listen to the show will have will have watched the club uh, during that time. And uh, really interesting that that um, I guess hopefully you'll get the chance to, to meet the, the Cougs as well. Well, yeah, I mean uh, it'll be very interesting for uh, Andy Harmon uh, coming back because, as uh, a lot of fans will know, he was the man who was going to take over the club just before the uh, Cougs came in. And uh, it got to a very advanced stage, and he had quite a bit of support. Um, but I think the uh, the club and the trust found that the uh, the Cougs bid was going to be perhaps more viable. And um, I think that, the, you know, they have not been wrong in that sense. But I think Andy... You know, Andy's got the love of the club at heart as well, and I don't think he would like to be felt that, oh, you know, he was against the Cougs. He was trying at that particular time to, to help them and um, uh, to help the trust, which was literally on its last legs. Um, but I'm no doubt that he'll shake the hand of, uh, of Pete uh, on Saturday. Um, because he's helped his, that's Andy's, old club more do more than just survive. Absolutely. And another uh, ex-player who we've been fortunate enough to speak to, uh, Dick Tunner, uh, who I understand is your oldest member, and you'll be celebrating his, his, uh, his, his contribution as well on Saturday. Well, it's interesting that. It's, uh, it's his uh, 93rd birthday in uh, just a couple of weeks' time. Um, but just this afternoon, um, I had a, a, an email from uh, Peter Lerner, who was uh, on the uh, trust committee, who tells me that he was in a uh, Star and Garter home in Wickham this afternoon and was talking to a guy called Johnny Brooks. Um, now, I looked up the record in between then, and Johnny Brooks actually played in 1945 for Wickham, <laughs> which is seven years before Dick Tumner. So I wonder whether that makes him even older. I've asked Peter to investigate, but we could have almost a cent. Canarian. Um, and uh, of course, I've obviously got the membership cards out and the uh, and the old boys tie. Um, we hope we might have another another one added to our list. Oh, it'd be great to have uh, more signings, especially the more, more experienced ex-players as well. Yeah, I think experienced is quite the uh, the word. Well, of course, ex-players uh, also involved, as you as you know, over the weekend, uh, going back to the bio situation. Um, I mean, Tony Horseman has been asked to do the presentation to Bayo uh, before the game. And um, the club cleverly said, look, and, and, and Gareth said, they didn't want that the last game of the season because it could be very, very special, everything hanging on that. It could be a Wembley visit. He didn't want any distractions before that kickoff. 
Instead of that, he's got them for this game. And uh, Tony Horseman was our choice to uh, hand over the ex-players plaque to Bayo. Um, and when you think about it, how appropriate is that? I mean, Bayo's played six seasons and scored 50 goals for Wickham Wanderers. He's the top EFL scorer. Tony Horseman, now I'm going to say this very slowly, he made five, uh, 939 appearances and he scored 558 goals. Wow. How about that? No, that's, <laughs> that's an incredible <laughs> record. And, uh, you know, you can't really imagine that, that being bettered. It's uh, unbelievable, isn't it? Well, Tony himself, I mean, he turns 81 in May. Um, he scored his goals, in uh, obviously, in non-league football. Um, Akin Fenwa, the leading man in the uh, the proper pro era. So, uh, it, you know, it's going to be quite, quite a, a half an hour before that match. Um, and the other one, of course, it's coming back in a, in a couple of weeks' time. And, in fact... He's often around uh, uh, Adams Park. I nearly said Lokes Park there. He's probably around there as well. Yeah, well, certainly his ghost is. Uh, is John Maskell, um, and he's going to be the man picked to honour Matt Bloomfield. Um, and again, there's a great synergy here between the two. Uh, John Maskell made uh, uh, 753 appearances in goal. That was across 16 seasons. Matt made 558 appearances, but his uh, across the uh, from 2003. That's in 19 years. And again, you you just don't get those kind of figures today, do you? I mean, Matt and Mask uh, are just two of a breed. No, definitely. You hear so many players who, who move on quite quickly after, you know, not spending too much time at a club and, and not really so, you know, achieving too much in the way of perhaps goals or appearances. They're, they're a brilliant record for, for them both. And obviously also Tony Horseman as well. I mean, younger players might see Bodger going around, uh, you know, the mascot of a, of, a, of a game at Adams Park and perhaps not even realise that, 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 you know, Tony Horseman is Bodger. Exactly, exactly that. Um, Mask, of course, is our uh, ex-players uh, chairman, uh, sorry, president, and sorry, Hutch, um, and um, yeah, he still does a, a tremendous amount of work for the Ex Players Association. Um, I, I don't know whether you know that uh, we had our quiz last week. Um, it just so happened that the team from John Maskell's village, he lives in Oxfordshire, actually won it. Now, there are suspicions here because uh, John Maskell is the man who sets the questions. Ah. Um, I don't want to cast any aspersions, but, you know, questions have been asked. <laughs> but what's nice is that, you know, we're, we're back in action. We're back in action. We've got two, two guys actually on the field in the next couple of weeks. Um, we've had our quiz, which over 100 people, despite all the COVID stuff, uh, attended last weekend. And uh, we've got our bowls and uh, golf tournaments coming up in June and July. Um, and then we come back at long last with our annual dinner, which, uh, as you know, was postponed the last couple of years. And we're holding that just a bit earlier in November this year because uh, the World Cup kicks off. And I'm sure everybody wants to sit down and watch about four games a day. 
um, and and not come to uh, necessarily to a dinner at Adams Park, but they will come a week earlier. Well, we've spoken to so many of the ex-players who, who really you know uh, really value these these opportunities to come together with all sorts of generations of, of former stars of the club as well. Well, I, I think it's going to be more and more difficult, to, to be absolutely honest with you, to continue an association like ours in the years to come because, as you rightly say, players you know, are here for a couple of seasons and move on and by the end of their career they've got, like Bio, they've got 15 clubs. I mean, you had on uh, uh, last week Scott McLeish, 16 clubs. You had Darren Curry, who's got over a dozen clubs. Um, and yet they are actually members. But now in the full professional era, it's going to be um, a lot more difficult for our successors. But we've, in, we've enjoyed bringing people together. And, um, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, I have to bring bad news. Um, I mean, I ring Matt up and he says, oh, no. The Obit King's on again. Uh, and unfortunately, as you know, over the last uh, two years, we've lost about 23 members. Um, and the, the latest one of that, Dave Thomas, um, we uh, have his funeral on Monday. And, and Dave, again, was another slightly different to uh, you know the current players in that he was a local person he played in junior school with Tony Horseman he played in about four different teams the two of them together and I've got a special affection for Dave Thomas because uh, I was just starting off my journalistic career on the local newspaper and uh, Dave Thomas was uh, the wing half as they were or midfielders today uh, in the first team that I covered and uh, he was a, a great uh, local hero because that's what the Wickham fans loved in those days. In fact, just going back to uh, when I first covered them, uh, it, that was in uh, 1960, uh, the, uh, we used to get, I used to get on the team coach with the team to travel with the team to report on them. Uh, and the furthest we ever picked up a player was Jerry's Cross. And we used to think of Len Worley and John Beck as almost being foreigners. It's strange how things change, isn't it? Oh, definitely. But it's been such a fantastic opportunity to be able to share the, the stories of, as we say, players from you know who played in the fifties right up to you know more recently, as you as you mentioned, people like Scott McLeish and, and all sorts in between. Well, you know th that's what we've tried to do, uh, and I mean this program has been absolutely spectacular for that because it's helped us bring quite a lot of players who've been on the periphery. Um, you know, we chat to them again and say, look, you know, you're going to come on and have a have a word, uh, you know, five minutes on the program just to talk about your experiences, and suddenly it's rekindled, you know, their enthusiasm for Wickham Wanderers, and um, we've had these players now who hadn't perhaps turned up for some years coming back and saying, you know, kind of a ticket for the for the uh, the Wanderers box. And, um, yeah, we've got a, a full house on Saturday. In fact, we've got more than a full house. So if anybody's got a couple of spare tickets, let us know. Um, but uh, that's two boxes on Saturday made up of ex-Wickham Wanderers players. I don't think you're going to find that at many clubs. No, definitely, and, and it's so important for fans of all ages to, to be able to hear, hear the stories of, of so many different generations of, of former stars as well. 
I think the point you've uh, hit on with most of them is that they played for numerous clubs, but somehow, and I, I don't know, I don't know what it was and what it is, because there's different managers involved. You can understand the enthusiasm playing under Gareth Ainsworth. You can understand uh, in former years with Martin O'Neill and with Brian Lee and in the 50s with Sid Can. But there's been, you know, 20-odd managers. But ma- people who've played under all of those have this same kind of respect for the club, which is quite phenomenal. Well, it's been a real pleasure to uh, liaise with both yourself and Alan, of course, to, to set up these interviews, and we look forward to, to doing more for the remainder of the season. Thank you so much, Neil, for your time. Lovely to talk to you, Colin. Thanks again. Bye. Uh, likewise. JDT from the Wickham Wanderers Expo Association speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Still to come on the Wicked Wanderer show, we will be hearing from the chairboy's boss, Gareth Ainsworth, of course, getting his thoughts on Adebayo Akinfenwa and also uh, hearing what he's thinking ahead of the game against Doncaster on Saturday. But first, I thought it'd be a real treat to bring a, uh, not just Gareth Angle of, of rock and roll elements to the show. I'm looking forward to this, as we are the rock and roll football club. Oh, uh, by the way, can I also say hello to all the people who listen on the Gas Room um, web forum, and they, they listen back to my interview with Rob Kuhig, um, and apparently I sound really like Richard Osman. Um, uh, Micra and Leeds Blue saying, I couldn't get the picture out of my head that it was Richard Osman interviewing Rob. Such was the similarity of voice to my ears. There you go. Yes. Richard Osman in the style of Louis Theroux. I have, uh, my, my book is currently out uh, and I do a couple of quiz shows as well, apparently. <laughs> you could be a Richard Osman tribute act. I could, yes, that's true. Yes. You have to change the name slightly. You could have to be called Richard Osmond or something, couldn't you? Next week at the Wickham Swan, <laughs> come and see my tribute <laughs> to Richard Osmond. Yeah, so on mid-mornings, there's a brilliant crossover here. Uh, on mid-mornings yesterday, we spoke to uh, Space Elevator, who are a band who've, had, uh, who've just got out their third album. Good name. I know. And uh, their new single, it's a double A side called Stevie Nicks Smile, uh, is the uh, single of the week on Drive Time as well. So we spoke to uh, Brian yesterday, who's the drummer and also Dave Young, who's the lead guitarist. And uh, Brian is a, a big Wicked Wanderers fan, so, so I asked him... I, I thought this was going to come back towards a Wicked Wanderers direction, <laughs> and there it is. So I asked him whether he thought Wicked Wanderers would make the playoffs. In Ainsworth, we trust is the answer. I mean, what, what, I, mean I think what... I don't know the answer to that one. What I can, what I can absolutely categorically tell you is what a fantastic club... What a fantastic few years with 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 Kuhig and Ainsworth, and um, just you know how how proud should Wickham be of just having a club with such incredible values, which are lived through everything that they do with Ainsworth and Kuhig, absolutely right the way through the club, and um, playoffs or not. Uh, you know, really super proud of them. I really hope they do. It will extend the season and and, and keep the interest going, which is always lovely. And then the chance of being back in the championship in a stronger position, well, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? It would be wonderful. But they've got a fantastic chance of doing it. And what you're just super proud of the team and Ainsworth and and Kuhig and and the whole thing. to, To be able to love your club because they've got all of the right values is just such a bonus as a Fan. Actually, just on the Wickham thing, piece of trivia here. I was at the Wickham Middlesbrough game in the fifth round of the FA Cup in oh, January wow. 1976. So there you go. And I was at the playoff final 
um, when they beat, was it Preston North End? That's right, yeah. Kurt Cobain died. So I always remember about that. Mm-hmm. 1994, something like that. Dare I say, I scored two goals. One of them was a header in the cup final as under 16 game at Lokes Park. <laughs> yes, I'll say it. It's just showing off now. Uh, that was uh, David Young, who's, who's played at Lokes Park. Not many of us can say that. Not at all. But I really, really like the, the you know the tribute to, to both Gareth and to the Kuhig family. Brian spoke brilliantly. You can imagine really brilliant. All top, so top fans thinking uh, in that way uh, for, about the club. Yes, and I think you just have to look again. Actually, at events that have happened this week, um, just down the road at Stains Town. And if you haven't, mm. uh, if you're not aware of the events at Stains Town, we'll do a Google search for Stains Town because it's fascinating, if terrible, reading, um, and just about how far a club can can go uh, in such a short space of time. And we're so so lucky to have the people, um, the, the custodians that we currently have of our club in charge. And Brian talked about the the values as well, which which Gareth will speak about in a few minutes' time as well. And brilliant chat to. JDT as well, because that's something that, that seems to span yeah. the ages, really. Yeah, and again, I think JDT, it was a really interesting point about how he could understand that players of a, you know, of a certain age who'd played under a certain manager would be very warm towards the club, but actually it's the fact that there are so many players, regardless of whether they played under some of what you might call our maybe more iffy managerial <laughs> appointments, uh, you know, but they're still very, very keen um, on actually, you know, on being part of the Ex-Players Association on on being associated with the club and that, that's lovely you know there is something special um that you know that, that clearly was born at lokes park and continues now at adams park no definitely it's like sort of carrying on the torch yes very even, much so. even under iffy managers yes <laughs> <laughs> and as you say we're so lucky to to have uh, gareth for the, for the time that we have and and just the way he kind of speaks and, and represents you know his sort of team yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean you and I were speaking off air um earlier on uh, about you know when you think about it and and you think of how well Gareth has done it's incredible that actually we've managed to to keep hold of him and particularly as well when you think of some of the other clubs and some of the clubs locally that actually that he's that he has links with um and the number of times that they've changed manager and you might have thought oh you know yeah he's probably going to go down the A40 um and he hasn't uh, you know we are very very lucky and particularly when we have a bad run uh, you know can we stop the people then saying things like I think we've got I think he's mm. taken us as far as he can possibly take us because no you know have you not been paying attention over the past <laughs> 10 years you know look look back to Torquay and that that afternoon and the couple of games that preceded it they remember the Bristol don't remember Torquay remember Bristol Rovers at home when we lost and all the Bristol Rovers fans celebrated and some of them were even on the pitch celebrating the fact that they thought that actually they'd survived and they'd relegated Wigan Wanderers and and then remember what happened and the fact that actually we survived before going on and questioning whether or not Gareth Ainsworth should still be manager of Wickham Wanderers because yeah he, he definitely you know as long as he wants the job he should be allowed to keep it very good point from Richard Osman there if you just tuned in <laughs> if you just tuned in you've missed that reference listen back to the earlier part of the show you'll get it there. you can get tickets to my show <laughs> at the old town hall sometime <laughs> next week <laughs> Which currently doesn't exist, by the way. Uh, in case we get sued, or they all turn up and they go, where's Richard Osman? No, it's, it's not, no, no, none of that. Not really, no. Uh, we have caught up with uh, Gareth Ainsworth, though, a little earlier on today. And, um, of course, uh, no game on Saturday and not played since Portsmouth. Uh, so uh, here he is telling us what he's been up to. We were in, actually. We, obviously, we had the game against Ascot on the Tuesday, so we... Uh we uh, we took that seriously, and and then uh, and great great for Ascot, you know, keep that sort of fairy tale competition alive. That was good, you know. With uh, you know, we we didn't want to 
disrespect the competition, although we had some trialists in the team, it taught me a lot about some of our younger players as well, which was great. Um, and good minutes for Jack and, and Sully, which which was needed. And then uh, we had some time off. We have these uh, these moments in the season where you, you've got to be able to mentally and physically reset the boys. So uh, the boys took four days, you know, the Saturday, Sunday and the Thursday, Friday before. And, and that was great. You know, it's sort of brought them back in Monday this week and, uh, you know, getting them back up to speed again. But I think you can see the, the mental and physical reset, which is great. And uh, hopefully we've got plenty of energy and treated a few injuries while we were off as well. We got some injuries back. Um, and myself, yeah, just... just uh, I was in a couple of days because I want to try and keep on top of things here. Um, a lot of conversations with Rob and Pete. We are uh, forward planning, which is good. Um, and obviously, uh, and uh, had an appearance on Sky Sports, which was great. And then Saturday night, I went to the Albert Hall to watch Liam Gallagher. So yeah, it was quite a mixed bag there, and it was uh, it was a nice break for me as much as anyone. But um, it was uh, it was much needed for the players, and uh, hopefully, we'll see the benefit of that going into these last seven games now. Fantastic. I was going to say, do, do you find that the break has come at a good time? Has Have the players benefited from it or, or would you prefer to sort of carry on it and keep that momentum that you had? No, we, we have, uh, for the last five or six seasons, we've had, we've we've actually manufactured our own break. You know, we do this every year and uh, I think um, it's difficult sometimes for managers to because they feel like they... You know, they have to be in all the time. The players have to be in all the time. And I, I believe there can be burnout with those situations. I think you've got to you've got to try and get these breaks away from the place, like any job, you know. The thing is about football is you can't go, you can't book a week off here and there. You know, when you're feeling like you need a week off, you, you can never do that because the season's scheduled in. So we try and almost manufacture breaks during the season at times. Uh, only once, really, towards March March, February, March time. We always try. Dave Wakes has done some real good s- studies on this, and uh, and we feel that we finished seasons really strong. I mean, Championship, we finished really strong last year. Obviously, we came back for the playoffs, fantastic in a fantastic place, and and the season we survived in League One, and the season we got promoted, both strong finishes. You know, and we've done this manufactured break. We're just glad this year it sort of manufactured itself with the international weekend. So we're hoping to benefit from. Like I say, all the physical and mental, yeah, ju- just a, a bit, bit of a reset, bit of a, you know, some headspace time for the boys. We, we gave them little programs to do, but we really monitor well with where the boys are physically. And, uh, and like I say, the mental side of things is really important as well. So, no, all, all good. And uh, I suppose the proof will be in the pudding now in the next seven games. You know, we, uh, we've got to win, a, you know, definitely over half of them. And, uh, and we'll see where that takes us. So, do you have a different approach to the to the last game of the se- uh, last month of the season? Because obviously, obviously, the first month is, is very different, I imagine. And then you know you have a kind of midpoint of the season, but then it does feel like you know everything's sort of been building to this, really. Yeah, what we've done is we've given ourselves a chance. You know, there's probably nine teams now that have given themselves a chance of the playoffs. And uh, you know, at the start there was 24 teams. Now there's nine, so we've whittled it right down to almost a third of those teams, and we're in that batch. And, and uh, I think I don't need to spell it out to the players. You know, I don't, they're they're all very clever. They're all not intelligent football people. They they know what what they need to do and what's at hand. So um, yeah, there's no different approach. Um, quite seasoned now with uh, with these pressure situations coming to the end of the season. I spoke speaking to Blooms the other day. I think there's only been one season in my whole 
managerial career where there's been nothing to play for on the last game and uh, or, or two maybe if you count the Stevenage at home but still we wanted to win that because of uh, to put on a good show for the fans but it's been crazy it really has been a crazy season uh, crazy managerial career you know the, the end of the season always is exciting with I think once we've been mid-table mediocrity and uh, I don't want that to happen so we, we want to be pushing right to the end and, and hopefully we will be and obviously, I think you said before that it really sort of suits the team to be just outside that the playoffs and to be chasing and, and have that kind of goal, if you like. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'd love to be 10 points embedded in the playoffs, but chasing is not a bad place to be. I, I, I firmly believe we'll get back in these playoffs, but it will be about then staying hold of that position. And uh, I think the next three games are very winnable games and, and we've got to get stuck into them before we start playing some of the teams in and around us. And Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday obviously will be big games for us but um, at the moment it's all about Doncaster one step at a time and I know it's cliche time but um, that's how I manage that's how we do things um, I'll have a sneaky look at Cambridge with Josh Hart um, and that sort of I com- compartmentalise that in my head and put that to one side but it will be all about Doncaster and uh, and what we're going to do Saturday and how we're going to how we're going to approach this game because you know this this is a tight table Doncaster have beat Sunderland they've They've beat MK Dons. They're, they're not a they're not a an outfit that looking second bottom, thinking that they're dead and buried. Absolutely no chance. I know. Uh, I know they'll be fighting. So we we've got to be on it on Saturday to start. Um, hopefully, what would be a a good run of points coming in. And obviously, Saturday as well, dedicated to uh, someone who it's probably difficult to sum up the, the contribution he's made to the club. Um, <laughs> what can you say about Adibayo Akinfenwe that that he doesn't show on the pitch? You know. Um, He's he's an incredible, incredible guy. Uh, and I mean that, you know, I think um, football has brought us together, but um, life will keep us together, you know, not football. Um, it's one of those situations where I've met somebody um, that will be in my life forever, I think. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's an unbelievable guy and I would not have been able to do what I've been able to do without Adibar Akinfenwa. There's two or three of them, the players that, I, that they know who they are that have been there right right through. And uh, and Bale's one of them, you know, he's, he, the way he's transformed the dressing room um, over the years and the way he's the way he's performed, I think people thought he was dead and buried after the Wimbledon playoff final and when he was released by Wimbledon and and we took him and I think I remember people saying it, it'll be a it's just a, a show it's just a show pony or or a publicity stunt the Wickham Wanderers. How glad I am to say that we have our greatest ever EFL goal scorer playing on Saturday or, or in the squad on Saturday um, ready to ready to take all the plaudits and, and has proved every single person wrong I think the Wickham years for me have been the best of his career uh, and that's really proud for us to say that but um, it goes so much more beyond football um, and Unless you've been in the offices with me and Bale with our one-on-one chats, or unless you've you've um, you've seen that the charisma that walks in with this guy, um, you'll never understand. But um, that's Akin Fenway, and uh, he deserves every clap and every cheer he gets from from now on. He's he's been fantastic for this football club, and uh, cannot underestimate what he's done. I was going to say, there must be so much that the fans don't see as well as influence in the dressing room and, and just the fact that, you know, away supporters want to have their pictures taken with them as well. There, there can't be too many players who, who have that influence. 
No, he, he's incredible. You know, he really is, and uh, and he is the most humble guy. You know, um, people talk about our values. Humility is probably my number one. It really is, and uh, and Bayo has it in droves, absolute droves. And uh, like you say, when he when he goes away, he even people have given him stick. As long as it's good humoured stick and, and a little bit of tongue-in-cheek stuff, then Bale will go over to them, engage them, smile at them, get them on side, sign their autographs, with their pictures. He's one of these people that you don't know what he's like until you actually know him. And when you when he walks in the room, you've probably got this perceived idea about him. You're totally wrong because he's one of the most gentle, understanding, able to listen human beings ever. He, he really is. And I think that people want to see what they want to see in people sometimes. Um, but getting to know Bayo has been an absolute privilege for me. And, uh, and Wickham Wonders have been very lucky to have him. He'll certainly leave a big hole in the dressing room. Hopefully not, hopefully not physically. Uh, absolutely. And I, I completely agree with Gareth about the amount of time that he then spends with the fans. And I think the real mark of the man um, actually came after that MK Dons game. If you remember that MK Dons game, it, it was the horrible game and it was the game where there was all of the chanting and, of course, it was a game where we lost as well. Um, and Bale was the main target for the chanting. And really, you know, it was a rough afternoon and he could have been completely forgiven for thinking at the end, uh, full-time, I just want to go down the tunnel and, you know, but he didn't. And, and he spent about an hour, apparently, going round... Um, and having selfies with with fans, and you just think, you know, yeah, you know, what, what an absolutely fantastic guy. Um, and as you say, he's going to be hugely missed for so many reasons uh, on the pitch, obviously, because he's a fantastic footballer. You know, when it comes down to it, yeah, the, you know, what actually we signed him to do, he's brilliant at. But also, you know, he's going to be hugely missed as well off the pitch, partly as an ambassador for our club, and also just how fantastic he actually is um, at being, a, say, a cheerleader for for our team and seeing him there with the coaching staff and encouraging, you know, the players when he's not actually playing. He's brilliant at all of that. And I swear, I don't think you can think of any other players really who are such a fan favourite, a, a, a teammates favourite, other players favourite, their own manager as well, saying, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. he's found a friend for life there. Definitely. And I mean, that, that's what I was really alluding to when I said to him earlier on, you know, when you came to this club, you were a legend already. You know, kids in playgrounds knew who he was, even though he was a lower league English footballer. You know, he was known across the world. But actually... In the time that he's been here, you know, he's he's completely cemented himself with the, the Chairboys faithful and, yeah, uh, will be forever a, a Wiccan Wanderers legend. And you can't obviously overstate that being the club's leading EFL goal scorer. Uh, yeah, well. Exactly that. And, and that's what I mean about the football a bit as well. You know, uh, let's not forget, with uh, for all of the tributes, how brilliant he's been on the pitch. Um, and some of the, you know, particularly like late goals that he scored. Um, and just, I mean, I was lucky enough last season to be at the Bristol City game, the, the, the penultimate home game of the championship season. And of course, he hadn't scored a goal in the championship. And then we got that penalty in added time. The game was one all. Um, and Joe Jacobson let Bayo take the penalty and of course Bayo scored so he has now scored um, in every division that he has ever played in and we won the game 2-1 and he scored last time he played Doncaster as well, so uh, that'd be a bit special on Saturday. It's all, yeah, it's, it's uh, hopefully all of the you know all of the stars are aligning for a fantastic day out on Saturday. And if you haven't got a ticket, we'll do get down to Adams Park because it's going to be a brilliant, brilliant afternoon. Big thank you to everyone who's taken part in this week's show. Uh, have a good week, and we'll be back next week. 